and the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Wow. He's praying that the eyes of the understanding of your heart would fully understand the hope, the inheritance of the saints, and the power that's working within us that raised Christ from the grave. Paul's prayer is that, he, that you would get not just this understanding, a heart understanding, the very depths of who you are. Church, that's what the resurrection's about. He's praying that we wouldn't just do a service and we'd go, oh, I did the sunrise thing. Oh, I did the Good Friday thing. Oh, I did the Passover thing. Oh, I went to church on Sunday. And it was Easter, and we had a good brunch, and then there was a great music, and there was a message. No, Paul's praying that your heart would be transformed, that your heart would all of a sudden have eyes to see what the hope of his calling was, that your heart would have eyes to understand the inheritance that Christ has in you and the power of the resurrection in your life. Church, that's what you're going to get today. Amen? Amen. So there's more to go, but I, I think we're going to um, go into my first point. The first thing that he wants to see is that you'd have understand the hope of his calling. Church, do you understand the hope of his calling? Hope. Do you understand what hope is? That word in the Greek is elpis, hope. It means to anticipate, usually with pleasure. How many usually hope for something and it's good, right? It's kind of weird when you're hoping for things that are not pleasurable. Hope, as a Christian, is to anticipate, usually with pleasure, expectation, expectation, Abstract or concrete? I like the concrete. Amen? Confident. Faith. So the word that he's using is, is, I pray that your eyes would understand the hope of his calling. That's expectation, anticipation, pleasurable, a concrete confidence. Church, that's what Paul's praying that you would understand this morning. That you have a hope and it's concrete. And you could be confident in that hope. You could be confident that you could anticipate what's to come. That you can anticipate that he's coming. Get, let me tell you who that hope is. His name is Jesus. There's a hope, and hope is coming. You can anticipate it. It's called faith and hope. Now, there's, there's an there's a opposite of that. It's called doubt. And you can anticipate the negative. How many's been in that spot? You just get in this routine of, well, you know, it's like old Igor. Uh, I don't know. Well, and so people are trying to encourage you. Well, yeah, but, you know, God's going to bless you. God wants to get you some. Well, yeah, but I'll have to pay for it. <laughs> no, he's going to give it to you. Well, there'll be taxes on it. Like, good Lord. Like, dude, where's your hope? Where's your expectation? Like, when Christ comes into your life, Paul's praying, I want you to have a hope and an expectation of your calling. Church, do you know you've been called? If God has raised you to life, then you have a calling. 
You have a purpose, and it's hopeful. It's not negative. I don't care what's happened. There's been so many people that have been coming to churches and dealt with Christians and had bad encounters. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean it hasn't happened. I will tell you, if you're a pastor, it's happened probably more than anyone else. But you know what? I have a hope. I have a hope. There's a calling. There's a purpose for my life. And, there's, and it's concrete. And there's good expectation. I know that this life's temporary. But there's a hope to come also. So, so no matter what's going on right now, there's something better to come. Now, the right now is good. I can tell you what it was like before. It was, it was negative. It was death. There wasn't power. It was destruction. But now that Christ has come, there's hope. There's life. There's newness. There's joy. There's power. There's freedom. There's hope to that calling. Now, salvation is the down payment. That's the down payment that, that you would understand hope. You're going to have to keep, keep the, the right attitude that hopes. Just because you start there doesn't mean that's where you're going to finish. You have to keep that attitude that hopes. When, when dreams seem to start passing away, when, when the voices, the things that God has called you to and told you to in the past, when those things start to go sideways, when people may have jacked that plan up, when you start to get, grow older and you go, well, I guess that wasn't for me. When someone comes along and goes, well, that isn't what you're calling Guess what? There's a hope inside of you that Christ has put inside of you. And it's up to you to continue to hope. It's up to you to, to keep the attitude that's right, that believes what he said. Amen? It's up to you no matter if COVID happens or COVID doesn't happen. No matter if there's shutdowns or there isn't shutdowns. That isn't going to determine and have any effect on the hope of my calling. Because Christ has put that in there. Amen? So Paul knows that the church is going to face some stuff. You think he might know that? You think Paul might be preparing the church? He's in prison going, here's some things I'm going to need you to understand. The first one is the hope of his calling. The Lord will fulfill all of his promises to his people. Church, he's faithful. If God, is, if God has called you to something, if God has placed something in your heart, as he's birthed something, he, he's going to see it through. You may not see it now. The enemy will try to come steal, kill, and destroy that. He, and if he can kill it through a bad word, someone comes and tells you, oh, well, that's, that, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know how you're going to do that. Well, you don't even have that gifting. How? But what did the Lord say? Like, that's up to you to nourish that, to protect that, and say, I have hope in that. And that hope isn't just like a, well, I hope so. No, what did the word say? Anticipation. Confidence, like concrete. No, I hope, I, my hope is in the Lord. And he is concrete. He is solid. He's a good father. When he says that you can cash the check. Like that's for us that we'd understand the hope of our calling. Amen. Do not allow, do not allow hurts. I would dare say every single person in here has dealt with hurts. Inside the church, outside the church. You're going to deal with them. Those of you who are, are faithful to the church, and those of you who are, you, you, it might be your first time, or you're not so faithful, you're not as regular, we're all the same. We're all broken people. We're all broken people. I'm so broken that I know I can't go golf on Sunday. I can't go fish every Sunday. 
I need to come to the hospital. I need to come and, and have my faith built up and encouraged. The church isn't a bunch of perfect people. The church is a bunch of broken people who know they need a doctor. And we need to understand that. And our hope isn't in ourselves. Our hope is in someone far greater than ourselves who is concrete. That's why I can have a concrete hope. My faith isn't in this guy. I will fail every single time. I'm good at it. I discover new ways all the time. But I serve a God who's faithful. And the hope that I have in him is concrete. I anticipate all the time good things, even when I screw it up. I'm like, Lord, what are you going to do? And my hope is like, he's going to do something great. Amen? So don't allow hurts or, or your own shortcomings. Nobody has it all. God knows that. You don't have it all. You weren't supposed to have it all. We're supposed to have brothers and sisters in Christ for a reason, because you don't have it all. Amen? So don't let that slow you down. Your failings, your misunderstandings. How many know it's easy to misunderstand things? Well, I thought I heard the Lord. I thought this. I th you know how many things I've thought, and they didn't happen. Get over it. Is your hope in the person? Oh, I thought this guy was going to do that. I thought they were going to love me. Well, no. They're people and they're broken. My hope's not in people loving me. My hope's in him loving me. That's concrete. That's confidence. I could be guaranteed they're going to fail me. God himself, love impersonified, came to this earth. And guess what? People failed him. They're going to fail you too. Aren't you glad your confidence, your hope ain't in people? Amen. And some of you where your confidence and your hope are in people, you need to get it out of people and get it into Christ. Amen. Because I will promise you, if you think this merry-go-round is you're getting tired of it, it ain't going to get better until you get into Christ. I will give you confidence of that. People are going to fail you. All those things will keep you from, feeling, from fulfilling, easy for me to say, the call of God that, is, that he's placed in you. Misunderstandings. Shortcomings. Failures. All of those things the enemy has in store to keep you from fulfilling the calling, the hope of your calling that God's placed inside of you. Are you going to allow that to happen? There's been petty things. Petty things that have kept people from fulfilling the calling that God has on them. Someday we're all going to stand before the Lord. You know, God literally has a plan for every single one of you. Works he created in advance for every single one of you to accomplish. And someday we're going to stand before him. And the excuse that we're going to bring will look super foolish. <laughs> You're going to stand in the light. And all of your thoughts, everything will be exposed. And he knows it all. It's not like Santa Claus. You better watch out. You better, like, he, no, like, he's for real. There, the kids are gone. Okay, we're good. <laughs> Spoiled Christmas. And once again, <laughs> he's for real. He knows it all. So you won't be able to pull some lame excuse. Well, you know, they, and he goes, what does that have to do with what I told you? Like you ever, I tried it. You try, go to a cop and they're like, yeah, but this happened and this. They don't care. You violated the law. You're guilty. 
God's a just judge. He is so full of love that he's just. Don't allow hurts, shortcomings, failures. I want to tell you something. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19 says this. God is not a man. Aren't you glad? God is not a man, so he does not lie. God doesn't lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. He is, he, has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Anyone that knows God can say, that's the truth right there. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? That's where you can have a confident hope. If God has called you, if God has spoken to you, if God has put a dream inside of you, if he's put your heart towards something, you can cash the check. You can take it to the bank in confidence, church, or those who, who may not know him. He is a good father. Now, if you, I can change this verse and say, man tells lies. Man is human. Man does not change. Man changes his mind. Man always fails to act. Man promises and doesn't carry it through. Is that true? That's true. So God is not like that. God is, is, is far superior. You, have a, you can have a confidence and a hope in who God is. Amen? Amen. Worship team. Church, we're trying something new. I've never done this before, so we're going we're gonna, to um, work out the kinks in front of you today. Amen? Don't worry. Um, there's more to come.
seen tumors that were there no longer there. I've seen death sentences on my husband lifted. I've seen COVID eradicated in his body. Don't you tell me my God can't do it. He prays that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The second thing I want you to see and Paul wanted, wanted the church to see is that you must understand his inheritance in the saints. Now, Typically, we as the church, we like to automatically assume when we hear inheritance that it's what we receive. And even a lot of you, as I was saying that, were thinking about our inheritance as believers in Christ and what, what that resurrection brought our inheritance. That's not what Paul is praying for them to understand. He prays that, they would under, that, that, that we would understand his inheritance in us. Does that sound a little different? It's not our inheritance this time but his and us. So our lives, and, and what Paul understands is church, and we need to get back to understanding that, our lives are not our own anymore. If you've been redeemed, that means you've been bought back. You've been purchased. So your life is no longer your life anymore. That's, a, that's a, something that's kind of changed throughout Christianity. A lot of people just believe that we just say this prayer. Just say this prayer, and now you get to get out of hell free card. But there's an understanding that must come. That when you understand what you were doing, you were giving up your life. You were counting your life as dead. You're dying now so that you don't die later. You're, you're letting go of all your hopes, your plans, your wants, your dreams, your desires. And you are saying, I am being purchased by you. So now I no longer live for myself. I live for you. And that's not no little thing. So he says, count the cost, right? 
you need to count the cost. You need to evaluate. Like, there was a lot of people that said, I'll follow you. They seen the miracles. I'll follow you. So then Jesus would give them the cost. And some of them said, oh, that's too rich for my blood. There was a rich young ruler that, that said, I'm going to follow you. You have the words of life. And so, so Jesus just said, well, go sell all you have and then come follow me. And he said, um, you know what? I think I hear something else calling me now. There's, there's a cost to, to follow him. And he's paid it. But we have to understand that there's a cost on our side, and it's cashing all of our chips in. How many of you ever played? I know, I know that Christians don't play Texas Hold'em, right? <laughs> but, but those who used to play Texas Hold'em, maybe. There comes a point in the game where you go, what? All in. That's what Christians do when they come to Christ. You go all in. You push all your chips in. If you hold back one chip, you're not in. It's everything. You count the cost before you go all in. And you go, what you did was enough. What you did, I'm going all in. I'm putting all my chips in. I'm not holding back any part of me. I want all of you. And that is what we got to understand. Our lives are not our own. We've been redeemed. We've been bought back. And now we live our lives to bring him glory. I live my life now to bring him glory. Not to bring him dishonor. Not to bring myself glory. But we live our lives as believers to bring him glory. God doesn't need, now listen church, he doesn't need anything from us. I, I need you to understand that. Babies are cute, aren't they? <laughs> I know babies are cute, but please pay attention just for a little bit. <laughs> God doesn't need anything from us, but we bring the praise of his glory. He doesn't need anything of us, but we have the opportunity to bring the praise of his glory. Now, now, some of you are going, what the heck's that? Well, you need to realize that we're the only part of God's creation that can praise him willingly because we have experienced that salvation and that redemption. Church, we are the only things that God created that have, that have received this kind of redemption and salvation that can bring him the kind of glory that only we can. Now, the heavens declare his glory. The, the creation declares his glory, but nothing declares his glory like we do, his creation, that brings glory to him when we praise him. That is the inheritance that is in us. We have the, how many, you have the opportunity to bring him glory. Like, that is, that is something I, I, I'm wrestling with every single day, like, and I can, I cannot do that. I don't have to. It's not something I, like, He's beating me over like, how much glory did you bring me today? Oh, you're out. Oh, you're... No, we get to. It's part of the inher his inheritance in us. It's part of the inheritance he receives from us. Like, you guys, is that something? Like, we all... We, and, and there's a lot that we receive from him, but it's the area that we get to bring an inheritance to him. When we glorify him, when, when we were worshiping earlier, we were, we're bringing an inheritance. He is receiving an inheritance. It's a beautiful thing right now in the throne room. That is what's happening. Willfully, they're worshiping the Lord, bringing him glory and his inheritance. And, and we're special. We are able to do that here today. Now, that should motivate you greatly to glorify him. And praise him like as much as possible. Amen? You guys, you start playing. That'd be awesome. I don't know what song you're doing next, but go ahead and start getting into that.
That's the working out the kinks thing. We usually have two services, so by the first one, we're running pretty smooth. The second one, they're like firing all cylinders. <laughs> but we're kind of just like making it happen today. Um, how many of you, maybe this is the first time you've under, really understand, understood this point, that there's an inheritance that God has in you. And only you can bring that out. Only you can be the one to give him that praise and that glory. And you were created for such a time as this. You're not here by mistake. You are here for a purpose. And right now, your very purpose is to give him glory. And if you're not giving him glory, then you're giving someone else glory. Like you can willfully choose that. So I would encourage you, in this very moment, we're going to begin to praise and worship the Lord. You are going to see around you. You can look around you and you'll see his inheritance in his saints. When we come together, it's one of the reasons we come together corporately. It's called the ecclesia. It's, it's the church. Now, each one of us are a part of the church, but the church isn't the church until it comes together. It assembles. And it's not the building. It's the body that are united. We can, we can assemble at the park. We can assemble at the lake. We can assemble. The church is mobile. But the inheritance and the thing that we get to do that is so special, and I believe every time God hears the praise of the saints, he stops what he's doing. And I picture God, he's got, like, he's got a lot going on. But no matter what's going on, he's like, oh, get you some of that. Like, oh, my inheritance. Oh, that's awesome. Even when you don't think you sound good, you can make a joyful noise to the Lord. Amen? It's an inheritance that he, he's like, oh, I got to have that. Oh, I so love them. They can't sing a lick, but I sure love them. <laughs> He's also honest, amen? <laughs> so why don't you join with us um, this morning, and, and I pray that you understand the inheritance that's in us, that he has placed there, amen? Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Oh, as see, Revelation 5, 9 and 10 says, And they sang, who? Who sang? The 24 elders. A new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe, every tongue and people and nation. And have, and have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. Let's worship. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. 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 Amen. Amen. Open the scroll. Amen. Amen. I think you're understanding the inheritance that he has in you. Amen. Amen. Well, the next thing that Paul wants us to understand is the greatness of his power to us who believe. Amen. The next thing that he said, he wanted us to have our eyes of our understanding enlightened and opened up to this. The exceeding, he said, I need you to understand the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. There's, you see that little part there that says, who believe. The greatness of the power that he has for us who believe. believe. He's not looking for doubters. He's seen enough of that. He's not looking for those who don't believe. If you don't believe, there's no greatness of his power coming for you. You must believe. If you're going to understand the greatness of his power, then you must believe that he is the all-powerful one. He is the almighty. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the great I am. He's the bright and morning star. His name is Jehovah Jireh. Amen. He is the God of heaven's armies, called the Lord of hosts, the God of heaven's armies. We need to understand the greatness of his power. And Paul's praying that we would. Now, Paul used in this text, now listen, he says, I pray that you understand the greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working, that's another Greek word for power, of his mighty power, another word, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly places, at his right hand, the Father. Far above all principality, in power, in might, in dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in which is to come. Not just in the here and now, but whatever might come. He, Paul sums it up, he says, every power, every principality, every prince of the air, whatever you've got, guess what? He's higher than that. Whatever is in the now, he's higher than that. Whatever may come, he's higher than that. He's more powerful than that. He's needing us to understand the greatness of his power, church. Now, Paul uses four different words to describe just how much power we have available to us for those who believe. How many think it's a good thing to know what kind of power is available to you? Hey, man, I want to know what kind of power it is. I like motorcycles. I like things that go fast. And like any guy, like, I mean, it's cool if you got something that has power, but if, you, if there's the same thing that has more power, which one do you want? Jenny's always like, she's like, you just always want to go like faster. You, well, yeah, I do. I like to go fast. Like how fast is too fast? I don't know. <laughs> the, the, the policeman knows how fast is too fast. I, I know he knows that. He has let me know that a couple times. But you know, the old Tim, the tool man, more power, right? More power, raw, raw, more power. Like, we as believers, we should want more power. Like, what's more powerful than, than raising the dead? Nothing. That's why Jesus did that. That's why he said, look, let me show you what kind of power I have. I will take death, the most hopeless, the most painful, the most hurtful thing that we could ever wrap our minds around. He goes, I'm going to conquer it. Watch this. All hope was lost. Jesus was put in the ground. All their hopes and dreams and plans for what he was going to do were over. But guess what? That third day came. And he came up out of that ground. And Paul is wanting us to understand that power. So he uses these words. 
dunamis. This is the same word that the church happened when they gathered. It said, and they prayed, and the Holy Spirit fell on them in power, dunamis. So Paul wants us to understand what kind of, we have dunamis power available to us. That, that power means, in the Greek, it means miraculous ability. <laughs> miraculous ability. So that means it's not, it's not normal. It's not human. It's supernatural ability. How many think that's a good source of power? Like whatever power you think you can drum up, whatever weights you think you can lift, like he has supernatural power. How many of you ever seen like God do supernatural things? Like he, God still does those things. I've watched him. He, he, he healed a man that I know of stage four pancreatic cancer. We prayed. It didn't make any sense to go pray for him because they gave him a death sentence. But guess what? He's alive. I've seen God heal people that had cancer, that were hopeless, that were on death's door, and he healed them. I've seen God change people's hearts. Their heart was damaged. Their heart was jacked up, and God gave them a new heart. Like, people can't do that. God does that. How many think it's a good thing to, to understand? And Paul's praying, I hope you understand supernatural power. I'm praying that you do. Miraculous ability and miraculous capability and potential. Ooh, I like that. Whatever you think you're capable of, there's more. There's supernatural power to make that more. Whatever you think your ability is, Paul says there's dunamis power for that. So that you'll have supernatural ability. I work in that all the time. I'm a pastor. It's a supernatural ability. It's not my natural ability. Like, it blows my mind. And anyone that knew me before would go, it has to be supernatural ability. Amen. It's dunamis. It's miraculous. It ain't normal. I like that. I like that there's more. I like that, like, it's not left up to me and my ability and my power. Church, it's not left up to you. Paul's saying, I need you to understand this kind of power. Amen. Aren't you glad that, like, if that was the only one, I'm saying that we're good, right? But there's more. He says the next word is the, according to the working. That means energia. That's the Greek word, energia. It means working. It means efficiency, strong, effectual, operative power. It's what, like, operates you. It's like it's the power that moves an engine. It's the power that moves a, an electric motor. It's the operating power. Even nuclear power is that kind of power. It's operating power. So we have this dunamis supernatural, and then he gives us this working power and efficiency. So a Christian should never be burnt out or worn out because you have an energia that he's given you, a power that he's pledged you into, and it's, it's part of the resurrection power. It's supernatural, and then there's a, a driving force power. How many of you have been physically exhausted, but then the power of the Lord or the anointing of God hits you, and all of a sudden now you have energia? You're like, this doesn't make sense. I didn't sleep all night, and now I feel like I can run a marathon. I don't run marathons, but I feel like I could. <laughs> if I started the first lap, I'd probably feel like, maybe not. <laughs> but he will be the power, that, that energy, the drive that comes alongside you. How many, how many are glad today that it's not up to you? Amen. That And some of you have experienced it. If you haven't, I, oh, I don't know how to say this right. I'll just say it, and you can figure it out. And make, if you don't like it, I won't get my email. Um, <laughs> I did drugs in the past. There was certain power. There was a certain thing that came with that. 
But there is a, an energia. There's a power that is not natural. There's a power that is, and it doesn't like wear off and leave you wrecked. Like there's a power that is awesome and it's God's power. And I remember there's different times I would be worried. I'd go into the jail to do some ministry and I'd come out and I'm just like, I feel like I'm 10 feet tall and bulletproof. Like you go pray for someone, you go do something that you wouldn't normally want to do. And there's just this power now inside of you. You're like, whoa, like I could take on hell with a squirt gun now. Like that is what they're talking about. This is what Paul's praying that we would understand the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your heart, not just your mind, but the eyes of your heart would understand this power. And guys, we need to understand it. And you won't know it's available if you don't know it's not available. How many of you actually believed that there's a power like this available to you would plug in? It's here. It's here. The next word he uses is kratos. It means mighty. And it means dominion and might. Dominion. It means rule. It's a different kind of power. He is it's sovereign. He's the one and the only one. He's all-knowing, all-powerful. There is, like, he covers it all. It's dominion. He has the authority over everything. He rules over everything, that kind of power. He, Paul, is praying that we would understand that power is in us. Over all things. Like, listen to what this, this goes on to say. He, he wants us to understand the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly place. Listen, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in which is to come. He's given us that kind of dominion and power in us. That means I'm in him, part of his body. He is seated right now at the right hand of the Father. Guess what? I'm in him and he's in me. That means everything that he rules over, I have rule over. You need to know that. You need to know that like when the things coming after your kids, when, the, when the, the principalities and the powers and the sickness and the disease is coming after your family, that you're seated in heavenly places, that you have a dominion inside of you that's not your own. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you don't have to deal with that and put up with that. That you can come on the scene, some ridiculously bald-headed guy that looks like an Easter bunny. My wife didn't pick this shirt out. I actually did. And say, no, not on my watch. Not because of who you are, but because of who Christ is in you. That kind of might. And if that wasn't enough, he goes on and he says, the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That's ishkas. It means the possession of, the endowment of forceful ability and might. Oh, it's mine. It's, I like that. Like, it's, it's a power to know, like, I'm in possession of it. And it's forceful ability. I like that. It's a forceful ability. It's not timid. It's forceful. It's like, oh, no, no, not on my watch. Like, I don't know if you've ever encountered things that are supernatural. I have. And the supernatural, in your own natural, you don't feel very powerful. You will retreat. You will go, oh, no, that is not normal. You, you will, the hair on the back of your neck will stand up. And it wants to bring fear to you so that it will take that power away. But there is a 
Ishka's power. It's a possession and an endowment, and it is forceful. And when that sucker rises up, whoo, it's like, oh, you want some? <laughs> like you were like retreating, like scared. And all of a sudden that power rises up and you're like, oh no, not, uh, it ain't happening. Where are you at devil? Yeah. Like how you need that. Yeah. That is for you. Paul's prayer for the church is that you understand this power that is available to you. Church, he rose from the dead, not so we can just get out of hell, that we would function as his body on this earth in his power so that we will be his inheritance of glory, that we will bring him glory. Are you hearing me? Does that sound a little better than like, well, I'm just waiting for him to come back. This world really stinks. It's awful and dark. Just come, Lord. He's like, I would like to come. How about you get to work? I'd like to come. How about you enforce some dominion? I'd like to come. How about you bring the kingdom of God on this earth? I'd like to come. How about you go out there and get those people saved? I'd like to come. How about you show people my love and power I have? That is what Jesus died for. That is what he resurrected for. That is the power available to us who believe. And you must believe. It's not I'm half and well, I kind of, no, you don't. How many of you are kind of married? <laughs> not for long. <laughs> I've never been kind of married. I'm married, let me tell you. Huh. Am I not? <laughs> Let me know. You ain't kind of married, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Got that taken care of today, praise the Lord. <laughs> Church, you ain't kind of married. You're called the bride of Christ. His representative in this earth, and he's jealous over you. You're here for a purpose. You are here to exercise his operative power. You're here to enforce his sovereign power. You're here to represent him as an ambassador. You are sons and daughters of the most high God. Amen. Kings and priests. Kings have authority and power, do they not? And priests, you can make intercession. You can go in and go, nope, I'm going to cover that. I'm going to bring redemption. I'm going to come pray for that. I'm going to come and minister to that. And I have authority. Kings and priests unto our God. Church, we got to understand what this resurrection means to us. Paul is praying very specifically for a church that he loves, that they would understand the power. Would you guys start playing? Oh, I got more points here. Keep playing, though. It'll be great. It's that power that resurrected Christ from the grave. It's, it's all of that is what resurrected Christ from the grave and it's in us. You need to understand that it's in you. If you believe it's there, how many think things might change if you really believe that when the enemy confronts you, when the, when the lies start to come, when sickness starts to come, when people in your family start to start going off the deep end, if you really understand, I believe you're going to go, wait a minute, hold on a second. You're not going anywhere. And you grab them by the hand. You begin to speak life into them. You begin to cancel out the lies of the enemy that they're believing. You begin to enforce the kingdom of God. You begin to, no, no, not on my watch. Sickness ain't taking my brother-in-law. 
COVID ain't going to do that. And you begin to call it for what it is. It's a liar. It's an evil spirit. And I have authority over that in Christ. Amen? This great power helps us grow, church. It's that power that helps us literally grow as a Christian. If you're not growing, you're not understanding the power that's inside of you. It's that power that transforms you and makes you become like Christ. It's all of that. It's that resurrection power that takes you from the old into the new. We must understand this power. It's that power that works in us so we can do everything he wants us to do. Not that we do what we want to do. He has not empowered you to enforce your will. He's not empowered you so you can run around and be the guy or the woman who has the the man of the hour or the woman of the hour. No, 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 no. He hasn't empowered you for that. He's empowered you so that you can represent him. He's empowered you so that you can go in his might. And it's his power that works in us. But we must remain in him. Now listen to this. But because he resurrected and won the final victory, we also have overcome in him. Every principality, every power, every angel or demon, spirit or Satan himself, every governor or government, every dictator or president, or any human force or non-human force, not only in this age, but in any age to come. Does that about cover it? That is the power that he has for you. Any principality, any power, I don't, he has already overcome it. And since we're in him, we overcame it with him. So that means we have that power to enforce those things. The demonic must bow. I am not going to bow to authorities, man-made or spiritual, that are not God-given. We don't have to. I don't have to tell the governor, I will obey every law that makes sense that is not against the body of Christ. That is not, I'm not going to say it's okay for abortion. I'm not going to say same-sex marriage is okay. I'm not going to say that if if you think you're one thing, but God has created you to be something else, guess what? You're wrong. God's right. I'm going to agree with him. And I'm going to enforce those things. That's why we're here. We're not, we're not to go along with everything and say, oh, okay. We are the agents that he's left here. Now, that doesn't mean you don't love people. He loved every single person, but he loved us all enough not to leave us there. He loves us enough to lift us out of that place and bring us into peace, into power, into, into resurrection. Amen. All things are under his feet. That's what it says. All things are under his feet. You know what church? That means all things are under our feet. Are you hearing me? If the church is his body, is that not what his word says? We, the church, are the body. If he says all things are under his feet, then guess what? I'll be a foot. I'll be a toe. It means it's under us. All those things are under us. They're not above us. The church is to be the full expression of Christ to the world who's filled us with his gifts and his blessing. We're to be the full expression, not just partial, the full expression of God's love and power. Amen? Amen.
goes in in chapter 2 and says, you he made alive who were dead in trespass and sins. Amen. We once were dead. I once was lost. The church I've been found. And God said, live. There was a, there was a death sentence pronounced over each one of you. Jesus made it very clear in John 10. He said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I come that you'd have life and have abundance of it. He said, live. Amen? Live. Each one of us, we're lost and we're dying. He went on, he said, you once walked according to the course of this world. Yeah, I'm coming down here. <laughs> you once walked according to the course of this world. How many of us used to walk according to the course of this world? When I looked at that, I began to think of we rely a lot today on a GPS. Amen? We rely on that. I used to have a different GPS. I relied on a different course. The thief was coming and he was speaking and I was following that course. And it wasn't even me thinking hardly anymore. It just was programmed in there. I get in the car, what do we do? Where are we going? And he would direct. And many of us have experienced that. And some of us are experiencing that even today. You're wondering, how the heck did I get here? How did I wind up here? How come that I've actually got to where I want to be, but what I thought was there isn't? We all were dead in sin, and we all once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. The prince of the power of the air, of the air that's Satan. And a lot of us will go and start thinking like, oh my gosh, it sounds like he's got all this power of the air. Well, he is a prince of the power of this air. But it's of those who follow him. Those who are following that course, he is the prince and the power of that air. He is the one that's in the GPS unit that's speaking to you and directing the course of your life and your path. He's the prince of the power of that air. But guess what? When you've been made new, he no longer is the prince of the power of that air. I have a new voice. I have a new GPS unit. I have a new life, and I don't have to follow the prince of the power of the air anymore. There's a new sovereign. There's a new God who I am serving and worshiping and submitting to, and now he's leading me into new places. Amen? He's guiding and directing me along the best path of my life. And, and even though I go through some dark spots... Even though he leads me through the valley of what looks like the shadow of death, I won't fear any evil because he's with me. It says his rod and his staff, they comfort me. And he can prepare a table before me in the presence of all of my enemies. He could say, oh, son, are you hungry? And I'm like, I don't know that this is a good spot, Lord. It's the valley of the shadow of death. There's a bunch of evil. He's like, it's okay. Are you hungry? Oh, let me prepare a table for you. Oh, we're going to have it. Oh, don't worry. I got this. Just go ahead and get back. Shut your mouth. Go have a seat. I'm going to take care of my boy right now. That's the reality. 
Now, you don't go through the valley of the shadow of death without him like that. I've been through the valley of the shadow of death following the prince of the air. And it's fear and it's torment and it's bondage. And there's no hope and there's no way out. And you think this will never end. And he will bring you to places where you think the best opportunity, the best thing you could do would be to end your life. There's no escape. There's no hope. That's when you're following the prince of the power of the air of this world. But I'll tell you what, when you have that new life, when those dry bones have come alive, when that death no longer has power over you, there's a resurrection power that we talked about that now is empowering your life. Let me tell you, it's a little different. He goes on to say, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, just as the others. That just basically says we just naturally did what our sinful carnal nature wanted us to do. Why? Because it seemed right. It felt good. We thought that's the way. That's how it's supposed to happen. Like, it just is naturally easy to do that, is it not? You're like, I'm hungry. That smells good. Well, it doesn't matter that it looks good. It might sound good, but it's death. The wages of that is death. That's sin. So, so we no longer have to do that. And it says, listen to what it says. And I love this in verse 4. But God. How many know when you get to the point where it says, but God, that's a good, that's a good deal right there. But God, like I used to, I was conducting myself in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and by my nature, children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in his mercy. No, it says his mercy. His mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. But God, who is rich in mercy. You know what mercy is? It's not receiving what you deserve. I deserved hell and death. That's what I deserved. That's what I earned. I earned it. Like I worked for it. The wages of sin is death. You know what wages are? It means you worked for it, right? I worked for death. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loves us. That means it's not because of you. It's because of his mercy is so awesome and his love for you is so awesome. That you're not, you don't have to receive what you earned and worked for. Isn't that awesome? I deserved hell and death, but because of his great mercy and love for me, I no longer have to have, I don't have to receive that. Listen to what it says. For which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses. When I was smack dab in it, dead in it, he loved me. In, in Romans 5, 8, it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. Now, guys, you might, you might be, and it says, you might be like so awesome that you might be willing to die for someone that was good. They might have saved all kinds of people, so you might be willing to lay your life down. But Jesus came and he laid down his life at our worst. Smack dab in the midst of our sin. Smack dab in the midst of our rebellion. When you were giving God, or like I was, giving him a big middle finger, telling him, leave me alone. I want nothing to do with you. He came and he said, oh, I don't receive that. I love you. I'm going to go in that very moment. I'm laying my life down for you, boy. I got plans for you. That's the rich mercy that God has for you. But God, he said he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. By grace, you've been saved. You know what grace is? 
It's even better than mercy, which is pretty ridiculous. Grace is receiving what you don't deserve. Like, I deserve death and hell. And it's like I go before the judge, and what I deserve is 10 years, right? 10 years in prison. That's what you deserve. Because I drove 150 miles an hour and passed every cop there was that didn't pull over. So, so mercy is I'm not giving you the 10 years that you deserve. That's a good day. Grace is I'm going to buy you a new motorcycle that goes faster. <laughs> what? That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's grace. By grace, you've been saved, not of yourselves. It's ridiculous. The grace of God, you guys, you don't earn it. Like, I'm not working for it. I, he has blessed me, and he so wants to bless you. And his mercy has already been laid out. He's already died for you, but he wants to lavish his grace on you. Like, he wants to lavish that on you because he loves you. But God... You brought all this foolishness to, to, the, to the show. Like, here's all the sin. Here's all the stuff I've done. He's like, yeah, but check this out. I have this mercy and this grace that you know not of. Let me lavish that on you. Oh, you guys, the mercy and grace of God. He goes on and he says that now he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He raised us up with him. We've been raised, where's body? He, we've been raised up with him and we're made to sit together with him in the heavenly places far above all dominion and power and all the demonic and all the natural and all we're seated with him. You guys, that is awesome. We're positionally, even though I'm here right now, I'm positionally in him in the heavenlies right now, sitting around the throne, ruling and reigning. I'm in him. He's at the right hand of the Father. I'm in him, and he's in me. So I'm at the right hand of the Father. Positionally, I have that same authority. You guys, it's not just a get-out-of-hell-free card. That resurrection is something special. I love how it says this. He goes on, he says, We're seated in the heavenly place with Christ, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ. You know what that says to me? He's showing off. <laughs> I, if I was going to add a word to the Bible, I would add it right there. He might show off the exceeding riches. Look at that in the ages to come, he has done all this so that in the ages to come, you know, there's ages to come, not just the age we're in. There's ages. He has done all this so that in the ages to come, he would show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ. That is awesome. Like, he wants to show, like, things in the future, the principalities, whatever, the enemy in the future, and the angels. Like, he wants to show his amazing mercy and grace. He's going to, look at my people. And we go like, yeah, we were the dummies who were all screwed up. Like, what I brought to the table, sin, a mess, brokenness, destruction, like all my plans were, were really not good. Um, that's what I brought. And, and, and we don't boast, like, what do we got to boast in? And he's showing off going, look what I did with them. Look at my crazy love. Look at the mercy I bestowed upon him and all created, everything's going like, yeah, those guys, whoa, God, you're amazing. 
That's what that means. But God, I love the but gods. That he might show, I won't put off. I wrote off in my Bible, though. You can. <laughs> the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ. For, for by grace you've been saved through what? Faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Church, what makes, and listen to me, people. What makes Christianity different than any other religion and every other religion on the planet is that it's not works-based. If you are working for salvation, you're not in Christ. If your religion, you see, you have to work, you have to do these things, you have to not eat or you have to do all this in order to be saved or in order to please Allah or, or you got to kneel and pray and point to the, whatever you got to, that is not like our God. That is false. That is fake because this word says, by grace, you've been saved, not of works. Because if you can work for it and earn it, then you can take credit for it. You know what I bring to the table? Brokenness. A mess. How do you take credit for that? How do I take credit for my salvation? How do I take credit for him being rich in mercy and grace? I don't. I can't. And I don't trust in my works. I trust in what he did. He went to the cross for me and you, and he raised from the dead. That's what I put my faith in. That's what makes me a Christian. That's what sets me apart from every other religion there is. It's not works. You believe, you have faith that what he did was enough. You have faith that I will never have to add to that. I can't add to what he already did, but I'm going to trust it. I'm going to put my faith in what he's already done. And his mercy and his grace is, is poured out for me. Amen. That's freedom, guys. That's freedom. Jesus wants you free, not in bondage. He didn't want you to trade, trade, trade a sin bondage for a religion bondage. I was enslaved to sin. Why would I want to be enslaved to religion? Jesus is not. He came to set the captives free. Religious ones, sinful ones, all of them. There's freedom in this house today. There's deliverance in this place today. He who the Lord sets free is free indeed. Every debt canceled. Every debt canceled, paid in full. No list of sin bigger, bigger than what he can do. There's nothing that you can do that will separate you from our God. He comes and wipes the slate clean by the blood of the lamb. And everything must submit and bow to him. Everything is under his feet. Every argument, every spirit, every demon is under his feet. Every lie is under his feet. Greater is he that is in you. That he that is in the world. That means the Christ in you is way greater than that Satan that's in this world. Is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. You can't boast about it. For we are his workmanship, church. Created in Christ for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know what I say to that? Get up. Get up. What has been keeping you down? But we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But some of us, we have believed the lie that we're not enough. We've believed the lie that we've done too much. I can never do that. Get rid of that. It's not by your works that you've been saved. It's by his mercy and his grace that he's called you and chosen you. And he's calling and choosing and choosing people today. There's people that you can say, I've been saved, but you're in, you're in bondage. 
You see, this Easter message was starting to be prepared a few weeks back, and the word that inspired it really messed me up was deliverance. I'm like, deliverance on Easter? Yeah, deliverance. You know what? That means there's people in bondage, and Jesus wants you free. And bondage can come in all kinds of forms. You know what? The blood of Jesus covers all of them. I don't care what the bondage, I don't care what the title is, I don't care... There could be eating disorders. There could be depression. There could be demonically influenced things, demonized people. Guess what? It's all underneath his feet. Freedom is for every single one of you. There can be anger, rage, hatred. Let me tell you something. If you have any form of unforgiveness, let go of it today. Unforgiveness is the biggest enemy, that, the, the, the biggest thing that the enemy will use to demonize people and cause people to be sick and cause people to be broken and beaten down in their mind to bring uh, fear and uh, depression and anxiety. Unforgiveness. If you are not, if, if you have any form of unforgiveness, let it go today. Be delivered. Be free from that. If you are walking in sickness, if your body, if you have this continuation of things that are happening in your body, that's a spirit of infirmity, and God wants to free you from that. All of that has been bought with a price. All of it has been covered by the blood of Christ. All of that is available for you today, freedom. If you have things going on in your mind, you can't shake it. It just keeps coming. It won't let go. The Lord wants you free from that, and I will promise you he'll do that today. He didn't speak to me three weeks ago and say, deliverance, deliverance, deliverance. This whole thing was done for that. So if you are in bondage in any way, shape, or form, I don't care if you're saved or you're unsaved. Actually, I do. Like, I do care. I care enough to say, God wants to free you. If you don't know Jesus, guess what? Today's your day. And you can say, well, I know him. No, I mean with the eyes of your heart, the understanding that your heart was flooded with light, that you know, like, I was lost, but now I know I'm found. And that means you're going to make a step today that says, I'm putting all my chips in. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to cost, but I'm all in. I'm following Jesus. That's for you today. And if that's not for you, if you've already done that, you go, but pastor, I'm struggling. I know I have oppression. I know there's things in me that God doesn't want in me. Today's your day. He wants to deliver you on Easter Sunday, 2022. You can be able to look back and say, today's the day I was free. If you need deliverance today, then get up out of your seat and come down to this altar. And I believe the Holy Spirit's going to meet you here today. If you need Jesus, then get up out of your seat. I don't care any way, shape, or form. You need Jesus to set you free today. Get out of your seat. Be bold enough to come and receive your freedom. Today's the day of salvation, church. Today's the day of freedom. Today is the day that sickness stops. Today is the day that depression ends. Today is the day that eating disorders end. Today is the day that alcoholism ends. Today is the day that pornography ends. Today is the day that sexual addiction ends. Today is the day that freedom happens, that God is going to free people today. Today is the day that the demons quit speaking to you. Today is the day that death quits knocking on your door. Today is the day that that infirmity that keeps following you and tracking you leaves you today. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray a prayer over you, and then I'm going to um, dismiss those of you who say, i got to be somewhere. You can be dismissed after this prayer. Those of you, I'm going to need some people to stay in here and pray that know how to pray, that know how to pray for deliverance. I'm going to need some people to come up and lay some hands on some people. And the rest of you, if you don't know Jesus and you're not going to take that step today, you might not want to be around because I have a feeling that there's going to be some things that are going to be released that if you don't want any part of them and you don't want Christ to come and fill that spot, then you might not want to stick around. Are you hearing me? You guys, we're not playing games. God is wanting to set people free today. 
there's people that are bound in areas and there's going to be some things leave and if you don't have the fullness of God in you they're going to find a home are you hearing me I'm God isn't playing games today I'm talking about deliverance I'm talking about there's going to be some things leave and if you're not going to fill yourself with Christ that's an empty spot do you understand what I'm talking about guys Demons and, and the spiritual forces of darkness look for a place to land and to live in. They are bodiless. I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm going to tell you the truth today. If God is not full and you're not filled with him, then you're empty. And they're looking for a spot. So if you want to fill yourself with Christ today, I would do that. And I'm not trying to scare you into salvation. I'm just telling you what's happening here today. Jesus comes to set the captives free. Completely free. And he does a 100% job of it. So we're going to pray. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. If you have somewhere that you need to be, I'm going to release you. And then those of you who want to pray and, and help people get free, please come forward and pray. The rest of you, we're going to worship the Lord. And we're going to keep that atmosphere of praise and worship that the enemy hates. And we're going to create that environment where the, where the, um, the anointing of God is going to come and break every yoke. Amen. So, Father, we thank you. I thank you for, Lord, everyone that's heard the sound of my voice today, Lord, and heard the word. I thank you, God, that your word is powerful. It accomplished everything it's set out to do. I thank you, Lord, it's a sharp sword. It cuts and divides through spirit and soul. And, Lord, I praise you and thank you, Lord, that you want freedom for everyone here under the sound of my voice. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. You're knocking on the door of people's hearts. Lord, there's still some that need you. Lord, I pray, God, that, Lord, you would bring them to that point, Lord, that they would confess their sins. Your word says... If we confess our sins, we're faithful. You are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So all unrighteousness go with the name of Jesus. If you want that, then just tell the Lord, God, come, free me from all unrighteousness. I confess my sin to you. I know I need a Savior. I'm pushing all my chips in. And if you do that, you believe in your heart, then God will raise you back from the dead. And you will never have to fear death or, or hell or anything in the future. And then you begin to walk with him. And you begin to put your faith and your trust in him. And he will lead you along the best path of your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go ahead, worship team. Prayer warriors, if you want to come up and pray with some folks up here, please do.